0: resilience podcast for all existing and aspiring cyber professionals, putting a spotlight on the vital role that people and culture play in making organisations cyber safe. Resilient and cyber savvy people are an organization's strongest defence against cybercrime. I am your host, Marilee Stavilliers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raw, the podcast. And I'm so delighted today to be welcomed by TJ Power. Hi, TJ. Good morning.
1: Hey, Mary Lee. How's it going?
0: Very well, thank you, and welcome, welcome. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to speak to you, and uh, I am really curious uh, to to hear more about today's topic and learn more about today's topic, which is all going to be all about um, digital and how we interact with technology um, to work for us and not against us. So, everybody, TJ is a neuroscientist. Uh, he's also um, the founder of Digital Mind. Uh, very young guy, as uh, well. You you may or may not see on the screen, but <laughs> early early twenties. Uh, but really, bringing a very fresh perspective on mental health, um, and and works with many organisations and in schools. Um, so his signature mental health program focuses very much on um, empowering individuals with immediate actionable insights to improve the experience they are having in their minds so that conversation we're having with ourselves you know is it a is it a good conversation is it an empowering conversation or is there always that sort of you know little doubt doubting little voice inside Um, those of you who know my work um, at Roar we are passionate about people speaking up and having courageous conversations Um, and for me it's very much about the conversation you're having with yourself your inner role, as well as the conversation you're having with others. So um, it's really the courage uh, to speak your truth. Um, and I'm, you know, really uh, so honoured to have TJ because, you know, he's he's, he's making strides in the industry. Um, he's uh, also um, a member of our, um, uh, in our, in our BIP 100, so Business is Personal 100 Club. Um, that's uh, his mum and dad. Uh, penny Penny and thomas power and uh he 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 shows up every week and to support all of us with with our mental well-being and this is the one session in that community that i always prioritize tj i never miss
1: (laughs) that's pretty cool
0: (laughs) so so also um just really um i asked tj to tell me what he is most proud of and um and he said that you know the fact that he became a lecturer of third-year students at Exeter University at the age of 21. Um, This was pretty wild and kicked off my (laughs) career, leading me to speaking at Oxford University and Toronto University. So awesome, amazing. So tell us about TJ. Who is TJ, the person?
1: Who is TJ, the person? That's a broad question. Um, So yeah, I'm 25. I'm spending my time running this company, Digital Mind, training companies primarily. That's the area I've been in for the last two and a half years since I left the lecturing and then I'm doing a lot more school training now as well. So I've been moving around around to different schools and I just have a massive interest in this mental health space. I'm so curious as to why so many people are having a tough time in their mind and I'm someone that doesn't just live in like perfect mental health myself I also fluctuate like we all do with our minds and just have a real interest in trying to optimize how do we live our lives how are we interacting with tech how are we doing all the different behaviors that are creating the experience we have in our mind so yeah that's kind of a bit about me
0: yeah and I think that's it's so great that you you highlight that because you know um we have good days and we have bad days. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's always, we're always work in progress. But I think it's the it's the the fact that you know you show up every day and you try and be a better version of yourself compared to the day before and you don't compete with the external world and with external circumstances i think that's that's i think for me was there's a was a pivotal shift in in my in my improvement in my well-being was very much around i've held up the mirror and i had a deep look at myself and what i wanted from life and how you know how i want to show up and and the the difference that i want to make. Make in the world and I think you know um, the fact that you have good days and you have bad days um, I think it's just the reality of life.
1: hundred <laughs> percent mm-hmm. it is.
0: So tell me about your perspectives on why you think we have such a uh, let's call it a pandemic um, mental health pandemic in the world. Why are these challenges on the rise?
1: Yeah I think this is a it's a big question. there's like a lot of different areas that are influencing this from uh obviously i'm in this neuroscience space so my ideas are shaped within that direction and we have this really really important chemical for our mental health which is called dopamine which i'm sure you've heard of and i'm sure many people listening have heard of dopamine dopamine is basically this chemical that's totally responsible for your ability to motivate yourself to do anything so to do your work to exercise to eat food to socialize And when we're high in this chemical, we feel really like excited and motivated and focused about our life. And the other side of that is when this chemical is pretty crashed out, it's like a a really clear sign of you experience things like low mood. And if it's really low, you experience depression and anxiety and things like that. It's like this vital life force energy. And the way in which we basically constructed the modern world, we're really kind of hijacking this chemical and messing it up a little bit. So social media and in general the amount of time we're spending checking the phone can crash this chemical out you then have other factors outside of technology things like junk food and alcohol and drugs and vaping and porn these kind of things are also really depleting this chemical and we are spending a hell of a lot of time doing this sort of stuff so this really one vital chemical for our mental health is getting messed around a lot with how we live our lives now and I think that's a really really big factor
0: and um, it's it's all the distractions all the time because we have I mean literally have our phones with us 24 7 now I mean I, mm-hmm. wake, I wake up in the morning and my phone is the first thing I, I put my my airpods in and I do my meditation I mean that's nice that's, that's a good start I mean but it works for me most of the time not always most of the time um but it's so tempting to just Quickly, quickly check your Facebook or your Instagram, 100%. you know. And it's like, how do you, how do you develop that discipline, that sort of muscle to actually prevent yourself from actually heading for their social media first and actually doing the thing that serves you, which is the meditation, for example.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's a good question. Sorry, the postman just outside the window there, so I got distracted. The Main thing, the the phone first thing is really, really significant. When we wake up, our brain has basically spent a lot of time throughout the night building this chemical, this dopamine chemical, so that you can imagine evolutionarily, it's pretty useful for a human to wake up and have motivation and drive to go about their day. When we go straight into the phone, we're slightly dipping that dopamine, it's slightly heading on the downward trajectory. I think it's so so different if you wake up and you just do something before you go into the phone and even if this becomes like you're starting to delay it by two minutes and then get up to five minutes and then 10 minutes, it gradually will make more it will have more and more value. The thing I think you should do is either charge the phone the other side of the room or outside of the outside of the bedroom so either like in the corner of the room or outside the bedroom but not right by your head because it's impossible to resist. It's too it, we're too connected to the phone that you're gonna check it if it's next to you. With that in mind, it kind of requires if you use an alarm to buy an alarm or I use my iPad as my alarm and I just don't have any of the social media and email on the iPad. So the iPad doesn't have that same like pool for me that I'd go into. And then it's just about thinking, what could I do to just delay the time before I check the phone? So it's like, can I go brush my teeth? Can I go to the toilet? Could I have my shower? In an ideal world, could you like go out for a walk for a little bit before you then go into the phone? Because I think if you level yourself and get into a nice, steady place internally, before the external world has an influence, I think you feel very different as your day kicks off.
0: 100%. I mean, I can notice the difference in my days when I've had my half an hour, hour, some some mornings meditation versus the days where I'm like running late, I'm tired, I'm just jumping up, I'm constantly reacting to the circumstances around me. And um, it's just incredible how we show up so differently if we've had that time to just go inside and just calm calm our system, calm our nervous system as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes during the night there's a lot that come up for, for us, you know, in terms of what 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 happens in the sub and unconscious. Um and I think that sometimes you wake up feeling a little bit anxious so you've got to almost like check in with yourself like where's that you know do that sort of temperature check and and really look at or think about what is the thing that's going to serve me most right now um but it it requires a lot of self-awareness doesn't it
1: it does i think the self-awareness piece is really important and I think the absolute number one way and it connects into this tech stuff to develop self-awareness is just by spending more time in the quiet without your phone. And typically people aren't just nowadays going to sit on the sofa in silence without a TV on because we just we need too much entertainment now. But for me, a lot of self-awareness and insight came and the ability to connect into my intuition when I started going on quiet walks on my own without my phone. So just like spending time actually listening to my mind, listening to my system. Self-awareness then grows and then you start to make better and better decisions.
0: And I think that listening to your mind and also um, I think some people can't listen to their minds because mm-hmm. the conversation is so negative.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. I mean,
0: I I think for me personally, for many, many years, for decades even in my life, I have had a very toxic conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. those of you who know me with my background with um uh, eating disorders for over 15 years um, it was it was it was that constant self-abuse that was constant you know I call it my inner bully you know some people call it the inner critic the imposter you can label it whatever you want but it it's that sort of it's just too painful sometimes to actually listen to the conversation in your
1: mind. 100% body. I actually uh, had a very similar experience to you with that
0: and I think that um, that really uh, take or took me um, a lot of. Um, uh, well, I guess I guess there comes a point where you just say enough is enough, and you know that you know there's there's more to life, and that you want to be well. For me, I wanted to be well when I met my husband. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of a, a pivotal point, a catalyst for me and wanting to be well. Um, so I think m- perhaps advice um, from my personal experience would be to look out, you know, for that thing that it's, you know, I mean, if you take the need to, or the want to lose weight, you know, it's like it's not because you want to see a number on the scale. There has to be a bigger reason. There has to be a proper why, a bigger why behind. Um, and, and I think that's the emotional it- attachment that you then get to something and 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 your ability to to succeed is probably a lot better um your, your likelihood i should say uh, is probably a lot higher um so so tell me a little bit about how this kind of mind or brain heart connection and, and 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 how it all works because i think you know the neuroscience is fascinating but i think there's very few of us really understand you know if, if i if i say to you can you draw me a picture of the mind um people often think the mind equals the brain, but that's not true, right? The mind is actually the connection between your brain and your heart. So mm-hmm. so mind or head and body. And, and, and it's, it's a really kind of complicated, but also not complicated concept.
1: Yeah, I think the mind is ridiculously unusual because there isn't like a physiological part of us that actually is the mind. Like we have the brain, we've got the heart, we have the gut. The mind I think is just what we're, utilizing to describe what we're experiencing so like we're experiencing all these thoughts these feelings some of it's in our head some of it's in our body the mind is just the overall thing that encompasses it so i would say that's typically how i define the mind in terms of how this also connects into the heart you then have this other neurotransmitter so you have the dopamine first then you have oxytocin which is the real bonding neurotransmitter for humans so that really interconnects with what you're sharing here about your connection with yourself and also, interestingly, as you shared about how your connection with yourself slightly altered when you began that more purposeful route of connecting with your husband and sometimes connecting outwardly and finding like deeper bonds can also make us want to strengthen our relationship with ourselves, And that's kind of the main primary focus of oxytocin. Yeah,
0: amazing. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about stress and anxiety because I okay. think um, we, I, I mean, I, I'm, personally very very interested in this because um i get get anxious a part of me gets Mm -hmm. anxious a a lot um i've learned how to cope with it better um but i think we work i work in an industry you know specifically in digital and um, where people are you know operating in a very fast-paced world where the you know the threat landscape is constantly changing at such a massively fast pace and and, and we're always on the back foot because we're always you know um finding you know how the how savvy the cyber criminals are and how quickly they are inventing ways to attack us and get into the systems and 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 just you know really cause havoc. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're constantly in that sort of really, really high pace, high stress, constantly reacting mode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd love to know your perspectives on you know, first of all How do we navigate? What happens when we navigate such high stress environments? What is kind of physically happening? So I think that self awareness would be helpful for people to have.
1: Yeah. So we have this, as you'll know, this this fight or flight system. So this is our like stress system that has a really intelligently designed process of being able to make the system go really, really quickly. So if you can imagine say you were suddenly had like a threat to your survival. I always think it's good to think evolutionarily because we spent hundreds of thousands of years running around those jungles. And that's kind of why, what our system was built to do. Relatively speaking, this concept of sitting behind computers, it's like a blink of an eye in human history. So you have this system that's designed, if you were suddenly had some kind of threat to your survival, it would turn on, it turn on fast. It releases some chemicals into our stomach, like adrenaline and cortisol into our adrenal system. And basically, its function is to speed up everything, speed up your heart, speed up your blood pressure. Not only that, also speeds up the pace of your thinking. So some of you may relate to experiencing kind of like a stressful event happen, and then your thoughts start to go really fast. And then they also go fast, maybe in a negative spiraling pattern. So you begin to think in like quite a negative way about the situation and all the outcomes that could happen. And that is actually used to be a really useful adaptive mechanism, because you can imagine if suddenly an animal was in front of you that could cause you damage, could hurt you, it'd be very useful if you could think in a negative way as quickly as possible, all of the possible worst case scenarios to try and find a solution. So that's kind of, we have this stress system designed to do that. And in our modern world, rather than having these giant spikes of stress, like an animal fighting you, we're getting a lot of subtle stresses. They're called micro stress doses that are building up and building up. And this is what leads us into these more kind of stressed out, anxious headspaces. So it's all about understanding how on a regular basis can you be activating the opposing system, the calming system to be regulating the nervous system back down.
0: Amazing. And I'd love to hear more uh, about the how in terms of uh, techniques. I just, I just want to sort of make an observation first about that sort of, you were saying it's lots of little things that happen and they stack, mm-hmm. you know, they stack, yeah. stack and stack and they stack. And then a seemingly really simple, obvious, little tiny thing happens and it just, it all comes crashing down
1: 100 yeah for sure
0: it's almost like what's that game is it called jenga
1: <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> like, like we're playing jenga <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah i have that image in my mind about playing jenga now um but yeah so let's talk a little bit about the how because i think that's you know where the magic is and where i you know i've learned the most from you over the past months in terms of practical you know really tangible things that we can do to actually um serve ourselves and help ourselves and navigate this crazy world
1: (laughs) for sure so this all this kind of starts at the beginning of your day how you kind of manage these micro stress doses and is going to continue to connect back into this tech stuff because the phone the relationship we have with the phone is very significant although I absolutely love my phone I love technology It is ever since that we've started spending mass amounts of time on these devices that mental health has started to plummet a little bit more, especially if you look at young people. So I have to keep referring back to it because I think building a healthy relationship with this stuff is life changing. But with micro stress doses, if you think when you first wake up in the morning, your brain is in a really vulnerable state because they're really adapted to live that way so that. If you were woken in the night by some rustling in some bushes when we were sleeping outside, it could very quickly act and go in any kind of direction in order to optimize survival. When you wake up, you're in this kind of vulnerable, malleable state. If you check your email and there's something a tiny bit stressful in there, that's going to be a micro stress dose. If there's something in your WhatsApp that's like someone hasn't replied to you or something from a friend that's annoying, it's another micro stress dose. So the beginning of all of this, how to manage your stress levels is first thing, not having any micro stress doses and instead having quite a calming morning. So whatever you personally would find calming, it might be your shower is really calming. It might be you like reading a book in the morning. It might be your meditation stuff. Meditation and breathing stuff is really good because that's like actively regulating and calming your nervous system. It might be like sitting and having a cup of tea putting a candle on but the mornings are like absolutely vital so the whole system starts on a nice level calm playing field instead of going straight in okay stress and then you begin on that pathway once you've had those kind of things there are some really key aspects of what calm our nervous system i would say the absolute best possible one is when we're out in nature and out in sunlight because our bodies are just so adapted to live out there. They just, once they're there, they suddenly feel like they're home basically because they're just, that's where they were grown over so long. And when you look at countries like New Zealand and Japan have got really, really good at researching nature as a treatment for mental health. In Japan, they have this whole idea of forest bathing and getting people to spend a hell of a lot more time in forests if they have mental health disorders. And as soon as a body is in nature, the whole nervous system just regulates that cause stress chemical goes down so nature is a big big thing the breathing is a big thing the calming mornings and then the other thing that's actually massive for our stress levels is our food and what we're putting into our body because we have this third chemical we're gradually learning them throughout our chat so we have serotonin which is really the more emotional mood stabilizing happiness chemical and that one is very different to the others because it's actually being built inside your digestive tract inside your stomach And when the stomach is happy, our emotions are a lot more stable. So fueling your body with good food and lots of water, herbal tea, fruit, veg, natural unprocessed stuff actually leads to your whole tummy being a lot calmer, which then has a big, big effect on your nervous system and how steady you feel overall.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, so let's just recap those three. um, So we had the
1: the three chemicals so we've got the dopamine so far so we've got the motivator the one driving you to do stuff we've then got the oxytocin so this is the connector the one bonding you to yourself and others yeah and then we've got the serotonin this is the more mood emotions based chemical and really is the chemical that wants you to still be a hunter-gatherer when you look at what activates serotonin it's basically nature sunlight good food sleep deep breathing it's all the things that we would have been doing absolutely tons of and it's all the stuff that recharges the system so if you're looking at a lot of individuals i work with in companies are experiencing a lot of burnout because we're pushing the system pretty hard these days and the serotonin based stuff is kind of the stuff that's like plugging the iphone into the wall it's like all the stuff that will wirelessly recharge us outside or when food is going in that kind of thing
0: Brilliant. and um and i think you know i i'm reflecting on um people's reaction when we talk about meditation yeah um and so i would just like to talk a little bit more about meditation yeah let's do um, it i think about very recently probably about three years ago i never i mean i was one of those people who didn't have time to meditate right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um and then you slowly i mean i slowly started with sort of five minutes here ten minutes there very very inconsistent and now mm-hmm. It's become over the last three years for me. It's almost become like a non-negotiable. Um,
1: and that's uh, awesome. That's a big and, achievement. So well done. <laughs>
0: thank you. And I think you know, but I, I wonder. I want to kind of rewind three years to when I was in that mind frame of um, you know a challenging the benefits you know be not not feeling like i'm being productive when i'm meditating right because i don't have the time so yep. just how how people kind of understand you know what what happens in the brain when we have those conversations about meditation and and it's you know it, it's seemingly simple but it's also very hard to actually start
1: mm-hmm. yeah meditation is an interesting one for me because it really was the the catalyst for a huge change in my life i was at university when I discovered meditation. I was doing my undergrad at this point. I was pre-masters and I used to, I don't know, party pretty hard, if I'm honest, like really hard. And that was kind of my lifestyle. I was still doing well at university, but I had like a very different approach to my health. And my mental health was way more fluctuating back then because I was pushing my mind a little bit further. And I chose to do this mindfulness course and if I'm honest, I chose it because I thought it was kind of sounded a bit easier than my other really complicated neuroscience modules. And I thought at least I can have one module that would just be a little bit calmer for me to study. Went along to this thinking this would be the easiest thing I'd be doing. Started sitting in the choir, and like you mentioned earlier with the self-talk, found it insanely difficult to sit in the choir, listening to all the noise in my head and all the different critique that my mind had to say about how I was living my life, and. It's actually so ironic, because I used to sometimes in these meditations, and based on what I'm teaching now, it's ridiculous, but I used to sometimes think, right, everyone's in the meditation in the group, I know they're all committed, so I'd open my eyes and go on my phone, which is just insane, I, was so, I found it so hard, so for those listening that think, I'm t- I can't do meditation, I can't focus, or it's too difficult, I was right at the other side of that, and now it is a, a cool practice for me, so it can be done. Um, in terms of what's happening, I think the biggest there's like two things you're learning to do. You have one thing that's you're really teaching yourself how to breathe properly when you're meditating, and it's very significant being able to breathe properly from a anxiety stress point of view for me personally. In the acute moment that you experience like anxious, worrisome thoughts or that stressed out, fast paced thinking, the ability to come to your breathing and regulate your nervous system and proper breathing is when you can breathe in through your nose. And then fill your stomach up with air rather than this kind of like in through our mouth chest. It's proper full breathing. And if you're listening now, you can try and do that. You can try and breathe in through your nose and fill your stomach up with air. Might be quite difficult to do. If you begin to practice that skill, you get better and better at it. So the breathing part is amazing because you learn to regulate your system. The other side of meditation that's really powerful is you just start to spend a hell of a lot more time with your mind. And... Lots of us kind of fear our minds a bit and we find them a bit intimidating to spend time with. So we're seeking for this world of distraction where we think let's always just be checking the phone or working or email or have the TV on or something like that. And when you actually start spending more one-on-one time with it, you eventually confront that more intimidating voice and you make friends with it and then you calm it down. And then spending time in the quiet becomes nicer and nicer. And I honestly think spending time with yourself in the quiet is one of the most pivotal parts of having good mental health.
0: Amazing. And I think... um... Also, I think there is no right or wrong way. I just want to present that with people because I, mm. I do. I do feel sometimes that we 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 look at other people and we say, "Oh, this person has this morning routine, and I'm going to follow this morning routine to the T." And then you yeah. you realize after five days that it's, I mean, three days a day, it's not <laughs> one morning, <laughs> one morning, it's not working for me, right? Because it's not it's not supposed to work for you. It's someone else's, right? So, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to I want to really encourage people to find what works for you and to experiment you know i always say kind of take messy action because at the end of the day you're only going to figure out what works for you if you if you have a go and you try it and you just you know um see it as an experiment um that takes some of that pressure off to do it perfectly because we don't yeah. you can't do it perfectly no, no nobody does it perfectly but you do it in a way which serves you right i mean if i take Heine, my husband he um he he doesn't meditate meditate in the formal sense but he um he loves to after he's done his workout in the gym sit in the sauna for like 10 15 minutes and he does his mm-hmm. sort of cold showers and he says that that's his time to just get really still and quiet and reflect on you know just just being you know not even doing anything just being um Meditation doesn't have to be wow. like, you know, sitting like a Buddha. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I certainly don't sit like a Buddha. <laughs> so I, mean, I just, I just wanted to present that with people because I, you know, I would encourage everybody just, you know, even if it's five, 10 minutes, um, I started with the calm app and there's a little introductory course on the calm app, which is like 21 days where you just literally go in for 21 days and you just follow a guided meditation. That's how I started. And, um, Fortunately, you know, I was able to kind of get into the habits. And um, as I say now, for me, it's a very, it's a cornerstone of my morning routine and how I show up every day.
1: That's very cool. They also have, I've seen on the Calm app, they have this new Daily J thing. I don't know if you're familiar with Jay Shetty, but he's partnered with Calm. And that's only like seven minutes, I believe. So it's a nice starting point to try and ease your way into something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, so we're we talking about digital detoxing next.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, I love the digital one of my detoxing.
0: favorite things. So tell us more about what, what do you mean when you say digital detoxing?
1: Yeah, so like everything I'm sharing, I share all of these things because they're things that I find difficult, which is why I've introduced these habits, so like mindfulness or whatever it may be. So I, with the digital detoxing, I'm someone that – really finds my phone super addictive. I love I love scrolling it, I love checking it, I love social media. And as I become more and more familiar, became more and more familiar with the neuroscience of the mind and how much overusing the phone, so using it for too longer periods of time or too frequently checking it, how depleting that is on the mind and how much it's crashing out our energy and killing our focus and killing our motivation. I started to think how can I get better at spending a prolonged period of time off it to effectively recharge your system. Like very similar to how the phone has to occasionally go and be recharged. I really think our brain is the exact same thing. And our brain recharges when we're not on tech, basically the tech just does require a lot of our energy. So with this digital detoxing thing, the the mission of digital detoxing is to, for me, I kind of follow this simple process. It's that on weekdays, achieve a 60-minute window once a day where you don't see tech. So that's like the absolute aim. So if if you think right now that's a ridiculous aim, you could aim for 30 minutes and and gradually build. But I think the gold standard would be 60 minutes without seeing tech at some point in your day. And as you mentioned earlier with the morning routines, everyone's unique with how they would like to approach things. So this could be... Trying out not checking it first thing, going about your normal morning with your walk or your breakfast or your shower, getting ready and then checking it. So you've achieved it first thing in the morning, which is super cool. It could be at your lunch break, you decide to like get outside or cook your lunch and stuff and just like leave your phone on the desk. I think even if you don't achieve a full digital detox at lunchtime, not going on your phone is so good for your head, even if it means, oh, let's watch some Netflix on the iPad or whatever it could be that you'd enjoy. If at lunchtime, when you're trying to rest and trying to recharge, if you're then also having your phone on you and doing your WhatsApp, Slack and email, you're not actually recharging at all. You're not really having a lunch break. So lunch could be a time to get a bit of a digital detox in. And similarly, it could be achieved in the evening. So it could be full digital detox. It could be no phone, no screens at all. You could be going out to the gym or something, or you could be going out socializing and be like, right, I'm just not going to check the phone. So it could be something like that. Or it could be in the evening if you're going to watch telly and stuff with your partner or on your own or whatever it may be it could just be making sure the phone isn't on you so that you can't sit and watch the telly while simultaneously checking your phone. So aiming for an hour in the weekdays I think it's really cool to have a full window off it. I think it's one of those things that you have to just try and then think wow what do I feel like after this hour without tech and you might be quite surprised how good it feels. And then on the weekends I kind of think about doing an extended digital detox of aiming for sort of two to three hours on one of Saturday or Sunday without seeing it. So that could be going for a really long walk without your phone on your own or with your friends or something like that. That could be really good because then you're getting all the other benefits of the fact you're out in nature and you're with people. Or it could be when you're socializing, being like, right, let's all just knock on our phones for the next few hours. But whenever you're on the weekend trying to find like two hours minimum where you're fully off the tech i think it's powerful for your head
0: absolutely and i think for me um you know what i've learned to do as well um is sort of just leave my phone so when i go and i have a personal training session in the mornings, i mm-hmm. don't need my phone
1: yeah nice. For,
0: a, for an hour i'm with my personal trainer so i don't i don't necessarily use my phone the way i do when i train on my own so I just leave my phone at home. Um, but it's it's just being aware and being conscious, making these conscious little decisions. And um, there is something called the kind of the minimum effective dose, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, you might, you know, when you're listening, uh, thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I've got, got to do this for 60 minutes. That's a long time. But actually, as TJ said, you know, it's actually really start with 10 minutes. I mean, start with five minutes because that is a minimum effective dose because it will make a difference. Um, the, the key is that you, you experiment, as we said earlier, and that you don't give up, you know, at least for sort of 21 days. Um, you know, just give it a go and actually just, you know, see how see see how you manage and the 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 brain is a fascinating thing because the brain initially will resist it because it's designed to protect us but the more you do it the brain will get these little signals and uh, i think they're called neurotransmitters i don't know but they will they will they will begin to realize the brain will begin to realize that she keeps doing this this must be important to her and mm-hmm. and it will follow the past path of least resistance right so it will be honestly it will get so used to you doing the same thing over and over again that it will then start adjusting that's the the beauty of um you know uh rewiring and um uh, and and i mean this is this is your area of expertise so <laughs> yeah
1: the brain I- can definitely rewire over time
0: <laughs> and this is the thing right it is um, it's called i think it's called neuroplasticity right that's the one yeah so let's talk about future tech, because tech's not going mm-hmm. away, right? It's not going...
1: Anywhere. No way. We're going to look back <laughs> on this stuff and think it was so basic.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking back at sort of eight years ago, 10 years ago, when, you know, having having a sort of, um, you know, just a device it was, it was a bit of a novelty. And now it's like, you know, it's just there everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about sort of the whole metaverse and... Um, virtual reality um what's coming and how that's going to um, further fuel this, this debate.
1: Yeah I'm super super interested in future tech and always have been I've just had an obsession with trying to understand the future my whole life and I definitely think this idea of the metaverse and virtual reality is on the horizon for anyone that's maybe not heard of that this is the concept of us having virtual worlds that we can enter through virtual reality which is where you put on these headsets and you kind of have effectively an iPhone right on your face and it feels like you're actually in there and it's much more immersive and I do think this is kind of a natural progression a progression for humans relationship with tech because currently we only experience tech in 2D effectively like right now you're looking at a screen and I'm 2D on this screen and when you're looking at your phone everything is 2D. And this is the idea that everything will become three D. So right now, this podcast will be taking place in a virtual room, and we'd be sitting on sofas next to each other, and we'd have like an avatar version of ourselves instead of the the real one. And whilst I think it seems like oh god, that'll never take off, that is that will be too weird for us. I think it will eventually become just like a, a far better way in which humans can communicate and. I think we'll eventually start thinking, oh, maybe we should just have our calls in there because we have better quality conversations because it feels a bit more real than it does when we're doing it like this. And I think it'll be very big from like a work perspective and meetings and all those kind of stuff. And then I think it will get very, very big in the education space for young people. I say all this also with the understanding that I really think the phone is having a big effect on mental health. I think this is going to be that, but way, way more because the big challenge with the phone is the amount of pleasure we can constantly be experiencing through social media and too much pleasure really crashes out our mind. As we know, if you drink a load of alcohol and have too much alcohol pleasure, you feel pretty crap the next day. So the pleasure that's gonna have the the pleasure to be experienced in virtual reality is just going to be off the charts. So it's gonna be one of those things we're gonna have to progressively like we're trying to figure out with this tech, it's just gonna be how do we use it in the right way, basically. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the I think it's almost like the need to find the solution and the opportunities and to make it work for us and not against us is going to increase with the, with with new tech because it's going to become so disruptive and so potentially harmful that we've got to, it's almost like we've got to, for our own safety, like survival, we're Mm -hmm. going to have to make it work for us. And, and that's the bit that I'm excited about because I'm like, We we're we're expensive right and um it's 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 incredible what what we will be able i mean when we, when you were saying about sitting in the room together and having the avatars i i just kind of visualized it and i thought how exciting I yes
1: i have this i have a similar <laughs> experience
0: like, exciting um but of course there's always the dark the dark side
1: to there'll be loads of really cool things about it music will be crazy you can go to you'll be able to go to concerts and stuff you'll be able to do things like that a lot more You'll be able to watch sport inside there, which will be a totally new experience. You'll be able to play sport inside there with your friends after work. So there'll be so much of it that actually really does connect humans together. But then it's also just like, it might be so good that humans start to deprioritize life outside of it, which is one of the really big reasons whenever I'm training companies and I go deep, like deep into this digital detoxing concept of you need to get good at spending time off of your phone. One of the biggest things I explain is that right now the phone is like pretty easy to put down. This is going to be a lot harder for us to like to want to spend time out of because it's just going to be a pretty amazing experience in there. And you'll have your meetings and you'll do your work stuff. And then it might be, oh, look, I could go and play virtual reality table tennis with my, my sibling. And I haven't seen them for a bit. So suddenly you're playing table tennis with them. And it's just all of these different things will connect together. And we might end up really wanting to spend a lot of our time in there. But then this human instinctive part of us that wants to be nice, natural humans running around outside is going to get underwhelmed effectively. So getting good at spending time off the phone is going to serve you very well when you want to be good at spending time off of this new super cool stuff. Amazing.
0: Amazing. I cannot. This is always the time always runs out too quickly on these. <laughs> and I think we can carry on for hours. I um, absolutely love, love, love speaking to you and um, the wealth of incredible, you know, just, insights that you've shared with all of us today it's it's amazing i always wrap up my conversations just with some real practical takeaways and top top tips um so i wanted you to just kind of share and and i think we could actually just summarize what you've already shared um Mm -hmm sort of the the top three things that you would say um, and let's say encourage people to experiment with um, you know if if they if they start in the starting blocks what are the sort of top three things that you would encourage people to start experimenting with
1: yeah so the top three I would say the digital detoxing one so that's experimenting with trying to find a period of time every day when you're off your phone if possible doing it first thing in the morning could be pretty life-changing and it's huge huge for all the clients I work with So digital detoxing would be one. The next one would be trying to go on walks out in nature in the quiet a bit more often. So if you can get out for some walks and if you are afraid of the idea of spending time in the quiet, just know that I was exactly the same. I found it terrifying to do that and over time it's become a lot more comfortable. And this morning, for example, I was out there for about an hour without my phone and like the idea of doing that back like a few years ago is crazy. So quiet walks out in nature without the phone experimenting with the digital detoxing. And then the final thing that I think is really important to recognize is some of these things that are crashing out our dopamine really are the source of why many of us feel so low. So you have a group to pick from, which is junk food, alcohol, pornography, social media, or drugs, which is like the vaping and cigarettes and stuff like that. And if you listen to that list, If you think you're exhausting one of those, you're really smashing social media or you're really smashing junk food or you're really smashing alcohol, I'd really think about picking one and recognising, although it's so annoying because it's like, I love that thing and I'm really addicted to that thing. That thing will be the source of a lot of your pain potentially. And thinking about how you can reduce it down could be pretty transformational for you.
0: Wonderful. Thank
1: you. I've loved that. Thanks for so many great questions.
0: And uh, so if people, if you want to get in touch with TJ, um, you can find him on Insta, TikTok or LinkedIn at TJ Power.
1: Yeah, I put and, content uh, out there every day, which is pretty fun. Lots of different ways you can learn about all this stuff.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, love, love spending time with you and um, not just in here today, but also weekly um, with our sessions that we have with you. Um, so incredibly insightful and learning learning so much from you every day so thank (laughs) you for joining me today thanks so much thanks for tuning in
1: we hope you found
0: today's episode useful and took away a few key points don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes to find out more how we can help your organization strengthen its resilience muscle and find your raw Head over to marilies de